0: Welcome to This Might Not, the podcast for conversations at the edge. I'm your host, Sean Kearney, and in this episode, you'll hear from Bill Johnson, University of North Carolina professor and co-founder of the Life Design Institute, as we talk about what education is, what it might be, what it can become, and how Bill and his team are working to change the future of education. But first, news. I recently read a great article by John Kruper, the Chief Learning Officer with Sykes Enterprises, called Preparing the Workforce of the Future, Perspectives from Education Providers, Employers, and Gen Z. You'll find the link in the description. The article includes findings from McKinsey and others which report that 50% of current work activities are technically automatable. Now, my dad drove a forklift for General Motors for 32 years And right up until the time he retired, he was still skeptical about whether automation would eliminate his job. And the world has changed a lot since my dad retired. Now we can safely predict that roughly 14% of the global workforce may need to switch occupational categories as digitization, automation, and artificial intelligence become more powerful, cheaper, and easier to use. So what does that mean for us humans? Well, according to Gartner, only 20% of employees have the skills needed for both their current role and their future career. In other words, 80% of us are not ready for the future. And McKinsey found that only 16% of private sector business leaders feel prepared to address the potential skill gap. Now, most business leaders believe that their organizations will need to take the lead to address this challenge themselves through changes in their hiring and retraining practices. And as far as retraining, they seem to be making the investment. When asked whether they received any employer-paid upskilling or professional development within the past year, 47% of employees surveyed said that they had. Now, one source of change that most of these business leaders have very little faith in is the federal government. But they believe that even the government is more than four times more likely to help than higher education which blows my mind. You would think that's the whole purpose of higher education. Now, fewer than half of the employers believe that new graduates are adequately prepared for entry-level positions, but so-called education providers think they're doing just fine. They think they're doing a great job. 72% believe that their graduates are ready for work. Students are even more optimistic. 91% of current students believe that college or university is adequately preparing them for an entry-level position in their chosen field. Now, that's up a little bit from the 77% confidence in recently hired Gen Z employees. They believed that the world was going to change over the next 10 years. Most Gen Z respondents, approximately 70% of them said they thought it would be maybe a little bit different or about the same. So in other words, students are not really expecting that they're going to need to do very much from a personal or professional development once they get that entry-level job. So if corporations view themselves as the best option to prepare the workforce for significant disruptions on the horizon, and government and education institutions are less responsible, less powerful, well, what about the individuals themselves? Well, 75% of Gen Zs describe themselves as responsible for driving their own career, but only 25% report having actually paid for any upskilling or professional development. And I can't help wonder if that low percentage is similar to the one we see for employee engagement. So an engaged employee often feels focused. They are more intensely involved in their work. They're more enthusiastic. They have a greater sense of urgency. And they even go beyond their job description with what's called discretionary effort. But according to Gallup, just 33% of American workers are actively engaged in their job. 52% say they're just showing up and 17% describe themselves as actively disengaged. So what can our education systems do to better improve their ability to prepare people to address this gap, to not only be ready for these entry-level positions now, but be better prepared for a future that's likely to change significantly over the next decade? According to Dictionary.com, the definition of education is The act or process of imparting or acquiring general knowledge, developing powers of reasoning and judgment, and generally of preparing oneself or others intellectually for mature life. So when I spoke to Bill Johnson, one of the co-founders of Life Design Institute, we discussed this definition and how education is changing and how he and his team are pushing education to the edge beyond acquiring knowledge, beyond just helping people be ready for maturity, but really helping them to prepare themselves for success in the future, no matter what that future may look like. And when it comes to the work that Bill and his team are doing, this might not be education.
1: My name is Bill Johnson. I am co-founder of the Life Design Institute, and I also work at University of North Carolina, Greensboro as a Student Success Navigator and Life Design Catalyst Coach. My role is to empower students, faculty and staff in higher education and people at a crossroads in life to become their best selves and serve something bigger than themselves in order to make the world a better place. Right now we're hoping to inspire or encourage advisors and coaches who work with students in higher education. That's our goal. That's the goal population that we want to serve. And what we want to do is provide them the tools, the resources, the skills to help young people and mostly fresh first-year students figure out how they want to serve the world and how they can become better people. That's our definition of purpose, in fact. We believe that every person who comes on this earth is here for a reason, and that is to become a better Version of yourself and serve profoundly. That's it. So we help advisors and coaches in higher ed come up with a plan on how they can help students do that. So this started as a program at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. It's called the Life Design Catalyst Program. And what we do, we've created two one credit courses for first year students. In the fall, it's a course called What Could I Do With My Life? And in the spring, it's called Redesign a Life You Love. We teach those courses with purpose in mind. What we found is that by doing these two courses, students are more likely to stay in college. So we've increased retention rates. We've significantly increased five and six year graduation rates. But the students are saying, we clearly know exactly what we wanna do. So at the beginning of each semester, we poll students and ask them, what is your biggest need? 70% say, I want help figuring out what I wanna do with my life. By the end of the semester, taking this, at least the what could I do with my life class, about 80 to 85% say I'm clear about how I wanna serve people in this world. So that was a foundation of creating the business side. So we created Life Design Institute because we thought it would be really good to create a training program to provide this work for people in higher education. So we created the Life Design Catalyst Facilitator Training Program to train advisors and coaches on how they can integrate this work with their clients. So basically, it's a four-day training. Day one is based on kind of the story activities. Day two is based on purpose. Day three, aspirations. And day four is kind of like the kickstart and how to do this as a business. So taking the action. So that's kind of the basis for the four-day training that we do. One of my biggest issues with higher education is that it's not preparing students for the future. Last year, there was research done saying that 40% of employed workers are independent workers. And that and that, that was last year saying by 2020, 40% will be independent workers. So now think about it, 40% are independent workers. Pre-COVID-19, they were predicting between 50% and I've heard as high as 90% of employed people will be independent workers by 2030. So in 10 years, it will be at least 50% and could be as high as 90% will be independent workers. One of the pieces that we've added to this is the entrepreneurship piece. You have to think, and we'll call entrepreneur spirit because we're believing it's gotta be something that comes from the soul, When you hear people talk about entrepreneurial mindset, that's from the head. So you'll use your head to make decisions, but we want this to be a purpose-driven endeavor. So it's got to be soul-driven. So we talk about the entrepreneurial spirit, but what we're doing is helping students not only look at, or helping people not only look at, this is something I can do, I can get a job in, but hopefully this is something that I can do, create myself. So we're really trying to develop this entrepreneurial spirit in our participants. So one of the newest components of this work is what I would call the side hustle piece. So past three semesters or three years, I've taught a course called Purpose Driven Entrepreneurship. And basically, it's a side hustle 101 class. So it's how to create something that generates income in four weeks. And then last year, I've narrowed it down to a week. Can you create something that generates income in a week? A week's fast, four weeks is slow. So I'm in the process of combining the two and coming up with a two to three week program where people could take an idea, follow these steps every day. And by the end of two or three weeks, they'll have something that actually generates income. So that's the next piece of where this work is going. And I think higher ed is doing, a student, doing the students a disservice by not teaching this spirit.
0: We'll be right back with more in my conversation with Bill Johnson, right after this. What is a learning management system? Well, according to Wikipedia, a learning management system is a software application for the administration, documentation, tracking, reporting, automation, and delivery of educational courses, training programs, or learning and development programs. Wow. In reality, for most organizations, their LMS is the place where learning goes to die, where people are forced to take courses and quizzes they don't want on things that they'll probably never use in a system so complicated or otherwise known as feature-rich and so user-vicious that people have to take even more courses and spend hours just to learn how to use the thing. And all this hassle results in little more than checking a digital box to get people off some compliance naughty list. And given that definition, our sponsor, YesLMS, might not be a learning management system. Yes LMS is really more of a learning mastery system designed to help people share and learn relevant skills that they apply to get better results in the real world. YesLMS is a beautiful, modern, cloud-based system that's super easy to use, fully accessible, and built for teams who want to do more than just check compliance completions and actually move their mission forward. And if you're a small business, education institution, or nonprofit, YesLMS has options tailored to get you up and running quickly with exactly what you need. To schedule your demo and see what an LMS can be, visit YesLMS.com today. I then asked Bill Johnson to share his thoughts on how to prepare students for the need to potentially switch occupational categories and be prepared for anything that may happen in the disruptive future.
1: At our orientation program, one of the questions, so we'll bring in students and parents in the same room. And one of the questions I ask is I ask all the parents to stand up and I say to the parents, how many of you have been in the same job for the same company all your working life? If you fit that description, stay standing. And you know, in a room of 75 to 100 parents, we might have three or four that stay out. So right then and there, it's setting the stage of, here you're expecting your son or daughter to be in the same position all their working life with the same company. But most of you are not. And this is the way of the world right now. We're not staying in the same place. It's, uh, we're in the same place, in the same job, with the same employer. The way of the world right now is job hopping. That's what it is. Or creating it yourself. So, And I saw this coming probably about 10 years ago. So I have two daughters. One's 23, one's 20. And literally when they were in high school, I had them thinking, like entrepreneurs. So both of them are very entrepreneurial and spirited. My oldest is in fashion. She started a fashion blog in high school. She works for Carter's Children's Clothing in their buying, decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. But she's very social media savvy. She does her own blog. She does work with Target and other companies on the side. So she's already in that mood. And then my youngest is a junior in college and she does graphic design and photography. And we literally had a chat last night and I said, so what's work going to look like? She's like, well, I'm probably going to work at this climbing wall cause I love climbing. And then I'm just going to, I think I'm going to do a lot of freelance stuff with graphics and design and photography. And, and I said, that's my girl. So I think my daughters embrace it. It's just, how do you get, Other, you know, other students to embrace it, other people to embrace it. Even like my generation, we're not job hoppers. When I started, I thought I was going to be in my one position at the University of Delaware for the rest of my life till they got rid of my center. And then I started, Okay, so I got to find another job. Did that one, found another job, did that one, found another job, did that one. So now I'm kind of like, all right, in that mindset of, well, I have a position, but what if it's gone? Like, we could all lose our positions tomorrow. And that's what COVID-19 did. A lot of us lost a position. So we have to prep for that. So my hope is 40 million people who are filing for unemployment, hopefully what we can do is they can look at finding a job, but also create something on the side so they're, everybody's generating both money from a job and then income from side. One of the foundations that we're hoping to build with our with students or young people in general, we do on one of these activities called a dream team. And essentially, there are 11 parts to your dream team. And one of the mindsets we want them to, to think about is who are the kind of people that are going to help support me become the best me? So I think it You know, if you're thinking about how you get along with teams start with creating one yourself because if you've never worked with a team, create your own team so you can understand how group dynamics work and then that could help you work with teams outside. So sometimes your teams might not be people like in your immediate circle. So, for example, one of the characteristics of building your dream team is finding an academic inspirer. Well, I, can't, I have not found anyone in academia that inspires me with their work. No one. In 31 years in higher education, zero. But I found people like Brian Johnson and then Jeff Goins and Mark Manson. These guys write and speak like I do. So they're my inspirers. So every now and then I might have a, con- you know, I'll send them an email, I'll get a response back. But that's how you can kind of learn how to work with different people in different dynamics. And I think by building your own team, that can help you learn how to work with other teams at some point. You'd be amazed when I work with students, I'll ask them, think Three years down the road, four years down the road, you're applying for an internship, you're applying for a job, and you have to get letters of recommendation and people to vouch for you and say how great of a person you are, how great of, you know, how hard of a worker, your work ethic, et cetera, et cetera. Who would you get to write you a letter? And they can't be a family member and they can't be a friend. And you'd be amazed at how many students would say, I don't know anyone. So we're really hoping to help them build this sooner versus wait till they get to be a senior and then they have to get letters of recommendation. They can't because you nowadays you need more than someone to say he or she did well in my class. You need more than that because that's not telling us anything. You really need someone to vouch or people to vouch for your character, your work ethic, how you are as a person, how you work with other people. That's the kind of thing we're hoping to help them develop sooner versus later. You know, you hear the comments about the generation, they're lazy, they're not motivated, they're not committed. I think of how our system is set up for them. It's a grind. You go to school, you have to do everything you can to do well. You have to follow this prescribed program. When do they have a chance to explore? There is no opportunity to say, what do I like? So without having any opportunities to think about what it is that they like to do one of the activities we have them do is called this lollipop moments and think about the times where you've served before and a lot of them are like in doing what (laughs) we don't know what that means they've never had the opportunity to serve for something that matters to them they serve because it's fulfilling a requirement it's not anything that they're passionate or or around their purpose so i think they're using their jobs to find what that is because they go through on through k-12 and then four years of college without having any opportunities to say well what do i like so once they get into a job they get into a job they get a salary and they're like oh crap i don't like this i want to do something else so then they go somewhere else I don't like this either. So they're doing the exploration process in the work. Now, what'll what's nice is if we can help them figure the, that stuff out while in college, well, preferably in high school, but at least in college and started out early, they create their experiences around things that matter to them. So by the time they get finished with college, They actually can look at jobs that match their values, their strengths, their talents and gifts, how they want to serve, figuring out problems that they want to solve to help people. And they can start doing that earlier versus using the jobs as an experiment. Imagine that every young person, when they graduate from high school, says, I know this is what I want to do and I can go on this path. And this path is gonna allow me to be my best self and serve everyone to the best of my abilities. Imagine if every single person could do that. We would not have the problems we have today. If you think about how companies are run, the best companies are run by people who aren't ego driven about themselves. They're about others, they're about serving others. And if every single person stops focusing on me and starts focusing on we, everything that we're dealing with right now would not be an issue. That's what I, that's the world that I hope to see. Our generation's not gonna do it. It's gotta come from my daughters. It's gotta come from their kids. The next generations are gonna be the ones that have to make this change because we've already been ingrained in this all we can do is spread the message and hopefully they can be the ones to pass it on and it's i'm of the one person at a time because that one person so you know you think about influence i can work with a class of 24. imagine if one of those students becomes the next president that person can literally change how this whole country looks. So I always think about, it starts with one one student at a time, one person at a time, and that person can be the influence. So for me, doing this work with advisors and coaches, if I can work with 200 students a semester, you know, 10% change and then another advisor can work with 200 students and 10% of those students change. That's how this change can happen because there's 4,200 plus institutions. If we can get one person an institution to influence 20, 30, 40 students, that's what changes the world. This is Bill Johnson. The best way to contact me, you can email me at the Dream Dean. So that's the Dream Dean one, the number one, at gmail.com. Check us out at the Life Design Institute.org. Either one's fine. You can contact myself, my business partner, Stephanie Williams. Her contact information's on the website, but we'd be more than happy to talk with you about what we're doing. Uh, so thank you for listening. Um, I would, if you want more information about what we're doing with the Life Design Catalyst Program and our Life Design Catalyst work, um, you can contact me at thedreamdean1 at gmail.com. That's the dream dean and the number one at gmail.com. Or you can look me up at thelifedesigninstitute.org. That's our website. And you can contact me or you can visit the website and contact my co-founder, Stephanie Williams. Both of us would be more than happy to have a conversation with you about this work and moving forward.
0: Thanks again to our guest, Bill Johnson, and our sponsor, Yes LMS for making this episode possible. If you want to hear more, please subscribe. If you like what you hear, please share it with others and let us know how we're doing with a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Every bit helps, and we appreciate your support. In the future, we'll have episodes around other big ideas, including mental health, freelancing, science, magic, music, hypnosis, design, behavioral economics, and a whole lot more. And if you have ideas for other topics or people we should interview, please reach out to me directly at Sean, S-E-A-N, at Not. Dot com.